Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey loves, and welcome to Mouth Off Radio, the weekly podcast from nastagirl.com. This week, we'll be joined by fellow podcast babe Anoni Forbat. We'll be covering all topics from feminism, getting engaged in politics, and how to deal with shitty exes. Thanks for joining us this week, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And now, here's Anoni. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. So I understand you are no novice, should I say, to podcasts and you actually run your own called Adulting. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I do have my own podcast. It's my favourite platform because I love talking. I'm not used to doing it with cameras though, so I'm probably much more gesticulatory than I realise. But yeah, basically I set up my podcast once I'd finished uni and I moved to London and I got into the working world. And I think you have this idea that suddenly you'll just have a job, you'll know how to pay your rent, you'll pay a tax, and everything will just go really smoothly. And actually what happens is you realise you've got no fucking clue what's going on. And you think that everyone else does, but apparently no one else does. So that was the initial concept. It was quite basic. It was more about like being in your early 20s, like figuring out life. And as I went along, I realised that it was, it turned out to be a lot deeper than that. It ended up being conversations around privilege and feminism and more like socio-political conversations uh, that impact us day to day, but you don't necessarily get taught about in school. Mm-hmm but are really important conversations that can sometimes make you feel a bit left out. You know, it's a bit like when you watch the news and you don't fully understand about politics, it makes you feel a bit like, I should know what's going on, but I don't. It's those conversations, but in a more social context. Okay. So who have you had on your show? Who's been your favourite guest? Oh, that's quite a hard question. So I think I've done 40 episodes now, um, but one of my favourite ones was definitely Jess Phillips, who's the MP for Birmingham Yardley. She was amazing, really inspirational. Um, I'm trying to think who else. My mum was my second guest. Mm -hmm. And it was one of my... It still is actually one of the most listened to episodes. It's so funny, because we basically just talk about the difference between being like a millennial and a baby boomer. And all those like generational gaps that we have in the way that we think about things. And I love that, because you don't often sit down with your parents and actually ask them about their lives. And in that context, it meant I actually learnt loads about her. So that was... We're really close anyway, but that was... It turned out to be a really nice bonding experience as well as... Um, really great for the podcast. Yeah. And what about um, your favourite topic? What do you like to discuss? What gets you going? What makes you mouth off? Oh, so white cisgendered um, heterosexual men mm. tend to make me quite annoyed mm. a lot of time, even though I'm going out with one and he's <laughs> lovely. Um, a lot of them aren't doing so great. But no, no, no. Uh, I don't know. I just think I've, I, it's often when 
you know when you don't fully understand something, mm-hmm. the nice thing about doing the podcast is there's scope. Because you're talking, you can kind of be in a space where you don't 100% know what you're saying. When you write something down in a post or you're doing something definitive, you have to be really cautious about how you say something. Yeah. And the nice thing about the spoken word element of the podcast is I can get someone on who I don't really understand, whether they're talking about gender or sexuality or something that I might not personally have experienced. There's freedom to... Um, make mistakes or not be really woke on it and that's yeah. what I really enjoy because I get I'm wor- I do worry about saying the wrong thing online yeah whereas the, the freedom to kind of explore ideas and like have thought experiments and it not be like you're not gonna get cancelled mm-hmm. like, yeah it's so big right now yeah but huge. I do think yeah you're right it is about having those spaces where you can have conversations and hear about other people's opinions and be like oh I didn't think about it that way yeah and that's what I have really been enjoying about doing the podcast as well and podcasts I listen to is just being challenged in things that you feel so like passionately about and then yeah you're like, oh, okay Maybe I was wrong. Yeah. Maybe I need to think about that in a different way and from someone else's perspective. Who would you like to have on your show next if you could have anyone? I'd actually really enjoy speaking to Russell Brand or Johan Hari. I don't know if you know who Johan Hari is. He actually said yes and then just stopped replying. Oh. Um, he wrote a book called Lost Connections and one called The Scream. But he talks a lot about, it's kind of, it intersects with what Russell Brand talks about, but it's about how the opposite of addiction is often actually connection. And a lot of us will are susceptible to go into addiction, whether that's sex, alcohol, drugs. And um, a lot of the reason why we might not isn't because of the reasons we might think, such as willpower or our job, or whatever. It's actually because you've probably got a safety net around you that stops you looking for um, different ways to fulfil yourself. And it's a really, it's interesting because he also talks about it in terms of depression, which can be... Um, slightly controversial because obviously depression is a mental illness that's not kind of like you haven't decided to have it however it can definitely be brought on by feelings of um, isolation and basically just the the way that he does his work is very interesting he goes and talks to lots of different people Mm -hmm. does lots of research so someone like that who has a different opinion because I think especially conversations around like addiction it's quite taboo we all have quite black and white ideas about what who we think addicts are maybe we think that they're people that are street homeless or someone that doesn't look like us but there's addicts everywhere and it's actually a, a massive problem yeah um, and I think opening up those conversations where someone could privately listen to that in a safe space and maybe their family suffers from addiction or something I just think that's really really helpful to open up those conversations and take away the stigma around it and just put it on the table yeah definitely. we all have things that we go through and everyone it's like you know when you're younger and you think everyone else's family is perfect and then as you get older you're like oh actually i suppose they weren't that perfect family i thought they were and it's kind of it's a bit nice to realize that no one's got it all figured out figured out yeah, yeah totally 100%. definitely i think drugs is actually something which i really i've spoken about a couple of times on the podcast but something i really want to talk about because we all know that there's certain festivals or certain nights where the culture there is for you to go and take um, recreational drugs. And the problem of the way that our system works, especially legally at the minute, is that young people go out, or old people, whoever, goes out and takes these drugs, and there's no regulation around it. So the only real danger in these recreational drugs at the minute is the fact that it's not policed. So if we could decriminalise it, and rather than... Because you listen to these, like, posh white... I know I'm posh and white. But you listen to posh <laughs> white politicians on the new, on the radio or whatever, and they're talking about, oh, it's awful, people are taking drugs. And it's like, now we know half politicians are out there sniffing coke. Obviously, mm. probably not still now. But, you know, they, they still came out the other day. And it's like this weird... Um, feeling that we all know that everyone participates in drug culture at some point or they might experiment and try a spliff or whatever 
And it's marrying those two ideas to stop acting like you're so above it. Because mm. there's definitely a socioeconomic class culture of like, if you're a posh city banker and you take coke, that's viewed very differently from someone who's from a lower socioeconomic background selling weed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think that those, that's a conversation that needs to be opened up because especially when you're growing up, I definitely had a very weird understanding of what drugs were. And then when you go to university and you realise that actually there's a huge drug culture, it can be quite shocking to, to realise like you're told it's so scary and then suddenly it's you're just there. At it, it's everywhere, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember like I had very some experience, so my parents were always like, you know, stay away from it, whatever. But my mum was always like, if you want to try cigarettes, try it in front of me. So I kind of knew oh, that there good. was always like, yeah. a safe space if I wanted to do something like that. And then I went to uni and I, it was never really something I was interested in. I remember the first time I ever saw like cocaine and I stopped breathing because I was so scared it was going to somehow go up my nose and stuff. And then I was like, these people I've been hanging out with mm. for months and getting to know and they're the same people. They just choose to experiment in different ways and it does change the conversation and you do notice as well like people have different experiences when they get caught with drugs some yeah. people just like rap on the knuckles off yeah. you go and then some people it's like right to court jail they lose their jobs mm. like any prospect in the future one of my biggest worries is about how i'm going to be as a parent and i think that's all the time in terms of things like talking about sex or masturbation or drugs or whatever it is and i was like i'll have to have drug testing kits at home and then if they say they want to do drugs i'm not gonna be like you can't but i'll have to test them and like this is how my brain works <laughs> yeah it's so silly but i think that there are things in place where you know there is good ways of doing it but that's sh- it's the, the biggest problem is shame i mean with drugs it is slightly more problematic it's not quite the same as shame around sex and stuff but those, I think I like those taboo subjects. I think I was brought up with quite strict parents. Mm-hmm. So when I was unleashed into the world, I just had no idea what was going on. And I think sometimes actually being brought up in a more liberal space, to some people it looks more dangerous because you'll almost have like those temptations at your fingertips. But I also think it makes you less... Does that make sense? I don't know yeah. if it makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit like the parents who let their kids have a glass of wine with dinner yeah. end up being better at drinking than the kids whose parents like, never, never drink. And then they're going down the park and getting absolutely sloshed. So I noticed on your Instagram, because I like to stalk everyone that comes on, that you are really into fitness yes. and keeping in shape and eating right. Has that been something that you've always been interested in or is that quite a new development for you? So when I was at uni, I had a really horrible boyfriend um, that it went quite badly, so I had to change my course, so I was going through a bad time. Yeah. So classic, I was like, I'm going to get a personal trainer, I'm going to get really fit. Now prior to this, I was never fat, but in my head, in my young, awful, mean to myself girl's head, I thought I was fat, mm. loved a fag, always smoking, all the time. <laughs> so I went from being like the chubby, funny smoker to getting this personal trainer and getting absolutely shredded. Bear in mind, he literally made me eat absolutely fuck all, so looking back, I understand how it worked. But at the time, it was like, <laughs> wow. So I did this like before and after on Instagram and I was just at uni, I was doing my English degree, I'd never been interested in fitness before. When I was at school I used to run away from sports to smoke, ofs, um, or go get drunk in the Indian. And then, yeah, so then I started with this Instagram page. I started posting selfies, got really into it. I was like, oh my God, I'm so shredded. I was absolutely tiny. And then my Instagram following started to like grow. And then they were asking questions about fitness, but I knew fuck all about fitness. I just happened to get shredded by accident. Mm-hmm. How's that amazing? So then I decided to do a PT course like, alongside my degree because I felt like I should probably know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I graduated from my degree, I had an, a dedicated like, fitness account. And then I broke my leg. So I was like, great. So, so then I was at home and I was really bored because um, obviously I'd broken leg, couldn't go anywhere. And then I started being quite funny on my Instagram and then talking about stuff that I actually found more interesting. So I was like, can't post workout videos or like loads of ab pictures. Although weirdly, I got really skinny when I broke my leg because I couldn't walk to the fridge. (laughs) (laughs) 
so, I literally got so lean because I couldn't get food. So if my mum went out, I was just stuck all day, like couldn't go anywhere. I did learn to hop up and down the stairs, but that was quite bad. So um, anyway, so then I started talking about things that actually found interesting, like feminism and politics and all this stuff. And luckily, thankfully, my following kind of came with me and let me make that transition because it's really hard on Instagram to swap from one niche, niche to the next. Yeah. They, it, people really want to put you in a box. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So food, mm. my favorite subject. Yes. How is your weekly food intake? Like, are you very strict, like Monday to Friday and then the weekends, let it all hang out? Or are you just like... <laughs> a little hang out. So um, I used to have a really bad relationship with food. I definitely went through like disordered eating and I used to like make myself sick and stuff. So I went on a really long journey of, I'm not strict with food at all now. I just yeah. eat. I don't do, I wouldn't say eat intuitively because that's like a legit thing, which I don't do. Um, but I, I would eat, I'd say I eat fairly well. Like my meals are fairly healthy, but then I still go out. I've met, it's taken me years to get here though. So I know it sounds really like, I have a really good relationship with food because that's a really hard place, but it took so much work. Mm. Basically, the less thought you put into it, I find the better you are. So the less you're trying to like regiment yourself in any kind of restriction, yeah. you tend to eat better. I think whenever I start thinking about, I had a women's health shoot and I thought I'm going to diet for that. And the minute I thought I was going to die, I just started eating sweets because the idea of like restrictions stressed me out. So I had like a massive bag of sweets every single day for two weeks before my shoot. And actually, when you stop putting so much onus on food and see it's like something to enjoy, because I'm a massive foodie as well. I love going to restaurants, love tapas. Me and my boyfriend literally gone on holiday for food. Yeah. So we like look, think about where is there good food, what time of year should we go, and let's book the restaurants before we get there. And that's all we booked. <laughs> and then we plan everything around the restaurants. Yeah. So I do exercise a lot. I've worked. I've worked really hard on my relationship with food but there's no I wouldn't say there's a structure to it mm -hmm. I like that I mean you can't really live your life like that no being really regimented and like I've tried many diets I've had food replacement diets yeah. and weight watchers and everything diets and don't work I've just realized I'm a big person I love food I can't cut it out I can get healthy 
you know, I can lose a few pounds and stuff like that. I can work out, but I can't cut things out. But you don't have to lose a few pounds to be healthy. Because, mm. ha- like, this thing, I really, I really had to learn this because I was fat phobic like anyone else. I think we start off being with ourselves, really cool about the way we look, and then yeah. we project onto other people. But health really isn't determinative, like, how... Go back to the drugs conversation. There might be a really skinny supermodel girl who looks amazing, but she's doing loads of coke, not really eating probably not looking after herself very much. And if you put her next to you, just because she's skinnier than you, wouldn't necessarily mean she's her health is better. Yeah. And so that's why the idea that, you know, oh, I hate that this is kind of why I moved away from fitness as well, because the rhetoric all the time ended up being, if you want to get healthier, here's how you lose weight, as if that was like, that's not how you do it at all. Mm. Increase like your movement. If you're able-bodied, then you can do a bit more activity. You can walk a bit more, you can dance eat some more broccoli, drink more water. That's all it is. It's what you're doing. It's not what you look like that's important. Uh, But that's really hard to translate on a visual platform. Moving on from that, we're going to talk about body confidence and neutrality. So what is body confidence and what does it mean to you? Because as you said, you could be a skinny supermodel, but not necessarily healthy. And then you could be a bigger person that might be more active and eating better. So what does body confidence mean to you? So I think body confidence to me is annoying because the term's so like overused and it gets quite tired. It's a bit like self-love. And I think what it came down to for me, and I keep seeing this a bit more and it's really good, but it's basically looking at your body and going, what if my body isn't going to change? Mm. And then just being like, okay. Because I think we used to look at our bodies, and I still do it now sometimes. I'm like, oh my God, if I was thinner, imagine what that outfit would look like. <laughs> yeah, if I was thinner, that outfit would look so yeah. good. But it doesn't matter how big you are, every woman is, thinks they want to be thinner. Yeah. So it's always thinner. It, and obviously there's different... I'm white, slim, and live in a privileged body where I'm not societally deemed as like a marginalised body. Yeah. So I've already got that privilege. However everyone is able to feel that insecurity. So I think the best thing to do is just be like, okay, this is what my body looks like. Just look at yourself in the mirror. I haven't really got a waist. I haven't got, I've got like, I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I'm just noticing the parts of me that I would look at other girls and be like, that's nice. Mm-hmm. That's fine. They can have that. I'm probably not, there's no point worrying about it. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not a tough love thing, but it's not about, I'm not saying like you need to love your body. You just got to wake up in the morning and be able to get over the fact that that's what you look like. Because sometimes when I was younger, I would spend hours just thinking about how life would be better if I was thinner. Mm. You waste so much time doing that. Yeah. And I think if you can set aside that time to, I don't know, work on something you really want to work on or work on your friendships or get really good at a skill, your body will then take a back seat. It's how much you allow it to dictate your life. Exactly. I've always, as I said, been a bigger girl. Even since I was a kid, I mm. was always like nearly a foot over everyone else and a foot wider, always like eating, didn't care. Grandparents' favourite, you know, feed, have that, have that. Do you want some sugar on that? Yeah, of course. So I've always grown up being on that marginal side, mm. too tall, too big, it was fine. And then you go to secondary school and then you around other girls and weird things are happening with your body and hormones and people saying some wild shit that, you know, is so mean. I think from those experiences, my mum had a lot of conversations about this is who you are, this is the body that you're given, it is not really going to change. There are some things you can do, cosmetic surgery and stuff like that. And I was like, okay. And I learned that lesson. I was like, I just have to be on board with what this is. Mm. And every day, like people be like, oh, you know, you're so confident. How do you get that? And I'm like, you just have to accept that this is it. You can worry about mm. it every single day until you're in the grave, but that's going to make you miserable. And then, I mean, there's like 
food I've got to eat, drinks, there's places I want to travel, I'm not going to let like my body confidence hold me back. So I just get on with it. And like recently, I never used to wear skirts or shorts because I had cellulite. I still have cellulite. But now I'm like, if someone looks at my legs, I'm like, that's your issue, it's not mine. So now I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. It's just deal with what you've been dealt with. And I think a lot more people would benefit from that. And I think a lot more people would benefit if people weren't so mean. Totally. I love that your mum said to you that this is the body you're given, though, because my mum was of the generation that was quite, like, dieting and slim shape. And so she was really worried for me that if I felt not confident in my body, then I should change it. Like, that not seeing that the problem wasn't me, the problem is the way that society wants you to look. Yeah. In that moment, I suddenly thought, oh, my God, what a fucking waste of time to wake up in the morning and be like, oh, I look shit, or I feel a bit fat, or my tummy. You know that bit of your tummy when you're wearing a dress and like, oh, that, yeah. that lump is really irritating. Imagine yeah. worrying about that and thinking, like, this, it's time is actually going to go so fast. You're not going to die and be like, I'm so glad that I didn't eat that donut that day yeah. because I literally looked so good at that party. And also, no one is looking at your legs. Like, no, I've never been on a beach and thought... If anything, I just think everyone looks better than me. Do you know, when I was like in a really bad place in my body, you know, you got, can't really see what you look like. There are people of all different shapes and sizes and I would think everyone looks amazing, but I look shit. Mm. So obviously there's some issue there because I think we can all find something in other women that we're like, oh, but she's got that yeah. and I don't have that. Yeah. And it's like, you've got to start applying that to your, the way you look at yourself. This is how I justify it. There are new people born into the world every day and their mums don't all look like Kim Kardashian. Somebody is fucking somebody. So just be happy with who you are and concentrate on what makes you happy and everything will fall into place. It's not about trying to achieve a look that someone else has paid for or works really hard on full time. It has a complete dedicated team to achieve that look. You just have to be the best version of you. I think in a few years' time, social media will be viewed in a bit like smoking. It'll be like... A Ew, bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or there'll be a much more... You know how we all now have a much better relationship with alcohol? I think not everyone, but I think we're being a bit like, actually, it's not sensible to drink every night. I'm going to make sure I take some weekends off. And I think with social media, I actually think some Gen Z and younger people have a better relationship than people my age because they have grown up with it and they are able to... Um, recognise when it's good and when it's bad. Yeah. Well, like the Greta Thunberg generation. Oh my God, what a legend. What dreams Two weeks of. across the Atlantic Unreal. because she didn't, because of her carbon footprint. I was like, what a legend. So we are going through um, an interesting time now in the mm. UK with like politics, um, literally in the midst of it. Um, do you think this will encourage younger people to become more in- interested at a younger age or do you reckon that politics will historically be something that you only switch into when you're like 27th birthday and you're like what yeah politics or it's a good question so what i find really interesting about this whole brexit debate and everything that's going on at the minute is i've been trying my absolute hardest to stay informed and get engaged with politics but there's so many things to learn about that i find myself engaged in conversations and there's, there's certain things don't get me wrong that i am knowledgeable about but when it comes to actual politics i just go oh yeah definitely awful oh my god but i <laughs> yeah. don't really know yeah and every Everyone on both sides is so enigmatic about it and I think that it's interesting that everyone suddenly come out and outrage because I think it's just a game of polarisation. I do think it's really important, I obviously know that, but what I mean is I think the way that the media is portraying politics and the way that it's become such a frenzy has got people very emotionally engaged in a way they haven't been before and as such people are talking about it as though they know more than 
they do. Yeah. Um, and I do think it's making younger people more engaged and hopefully if they're learning from a younger... Because I didn't give a shit about politics. No, I was the same. I literally didn't care. I wasn't interested. I didn't know why it impacted me. And it doesn't as a white, middle-class, cisgendered yeah. woman. I'm not really impacted by um, politics. It doesn't mean that I shouldn't be engaged, but that's my level of privilege. Yeah. So I didn't really have to. It's not like I would have been impacted. So... I don't know. I think that the, the way that the parties and things work, I think that's going to change. Mm -hmm. I think it's, the systems are too old. And I think with social media and the weird way that it's being propagandised, um, and I don't know if you watched The Great Hack recently, but about the Cambridge Analytica scandal no, um, and the way that data and things are used, I think that there's going to have to be some big revolution in how we look at politics. I think that it's becoming an entity different from what it was. Mm -hmm. But I really, I couldn't say. I really don't know. I find it quite interesting. I, I've, I've kind of, I got really interested. And now I actually don't give a shit because I feel like it's, I'm just like, oh, do you know what? I don't care. You're yeah. just fucking it up. I don't know what's going on. So we've got um, very political there. And we have had a, a chat about body image. We've even talked about drugs. Now we're going to throw some very quick fire questions over to you. And um, are you ready basically to mouth off with me? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. So first question, what does feminism mean to you? Oh, it's changed. It now means little acts of activism in everything you do. So it's sticking up for people that are marginalised or have less privilege and making, consciously trying to make an effort to make everyone's day a little bit better whether that's if someone says something derogatory to someone you step in for them or remembering to bring your reusable cup just small tiny little acts of kind kindness and, and activism in really small ways but consistently i love that that is really nice i like that okay coffee or wine oh god oh i don't know i've actually loved i drink a lot more coffee than i do wine yeah. it's getting a bit of a problem actually i was drinking so much like the other month I had a really twitchy eyelid and I was like why is my eyelid so twitchy and I'd got an espresso machine for my birthday and I'd been buying Oatly Barista coffee and I realised I'd been drinking like six a day because it's just so good so I had a really bad twitchy eye and then I had to like chill out oh lord I know bad times someone famous dead or alive you'd like to go on vacation with I'd want to hang out with J.K. Rowling, but only so she could tell me more Harry Potter stories. But obviously there isn't more, and I'd probably be really disappointed because she wouldn't want to talk, talk about, about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think Ed Sheeran would be really interesting, so I bet he knows like so many celebs and he could tell me loads of gossip. Yeah, I think Ed would mm. be a good one, actually. And yeah. he could sing to you, but under the stars. Oh, that would be nice. A little private concert. Yeah. Um, best way to deal with a shitty ex? Oh, block, delete, and improve. You live your best life. Cut them out. Bye. Boy, bye. And they'll always come back. My ex emailed me. I blocked him on everything. My Snapchat, both my Snapchat, I had two at the time. Facebook, Instagram, everything. He emailed me. And then, not even that, we broke up years ago. Not even the other day, he slid into my friend's DM. I was like, how's it She was like, no. fuck off. Oh, they always come back. They always come back. Um, do you believe in the afterlife? No, but I don't, I'm not in, mm, good question. Don't, I don't believe in the afterlife, but I do believe that like being alive is so important that we shouldn't fixate on... As much as I like to believe in karma, just because it's fun sometimes. <laughs> karma. Um, <laughs> I actually think what's more important is just being present in the exact moment, because then if you do die tomorrow, or whenever, and there's no afterlife, hashtag no regrets. No regrets, mm. that is true. If you could eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh... These are hard. They are hard. I want to say pick a mix, but then I know I would get fed up after a while and want something savoury. Do you know what I really like? It's so weird, but 
<laughs> I was going to say bangs and lashes, sweet corn gravy and caramelised onions because I had that the other day and I was like, that's actually so good. Yeah. But actually maybe egg, avocado and sourdough. You can't go wrong. Yeah. It is a good one. That is a good one. Right. Who inspires you the most? Oh, who inspires me? I'm really inspired by Maya Jamma at the minute because I just think she's absolutely fucking killing it and I can't, just can't deal she's with her. She's a hero. She's unbelievable. She is an absolute um, hero But Zadie Smith is one of my most favourite authors and she writes impeccably, incredibly, and every time I read her writing, I want to, I read like a page and I'm like, I want to write a book. No, to that. <laughs> so I think she, yeah, she inspires me a lot. Okay. Is there anything on your bucket list? I mean, there's probably loads of things. Oh my gosh, I keep trying to make my boyfriend and I sit down to write a bucket list. He's like, no, you're really boring. (laughs) So one of the things I really want to do, don't know why, is climb Kilimanjaro. Oh, really? I just feel like I really like hiking. So that's that's on there. That's a pretty cool one. Yeah, that... uh, Yeah. Thank you. Okay, mine probably be like, um, sleep more. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good one. (laughs) The idea of marriage, outdated or one to stay? literally talking about this last night with um, Florence Given. So I wouldn't get married in a church and I wouldn't, I wouldn't want it to be like a religious ceremony, but I want a fucking massive rock and I want a big party. And I said this to my boyfriend and he came back with, which I thought was really interesting, I pretended that this was why. He was like, oh yeah, because if a man buys you a big ring, it's like a good investment because really marriage is like a financial economic, like it is good for your economic safety and things and it's like yeah. a celebration because like if a man buys you a really big ring and he invests in you it's showing that he's like putting a big deposit down I was like yeah that is why that's why I want it yeah Damn. definitely that's why um but no I, I I do think it's outdated I think it's really weird that we wear white to say that we're virgins not a virgin and um that my dad would give me away because apparently he owns me and that up until like <laughs> 2004 rape in a marriage was legal so yeah, you, you couldn't afford. I think so. I think you could rape. You wasn't. You couldn't rape your wife because you owned her. Oh, it was classic. Um, so you got you that rock. So it's really problematic. I find it really problematic. But I think that there's ways that you can adopt and change. Things. I think awareness. I think as long as it's an elective choice and you're not just doing it because you're like, oh, I should just go get married. Now. Yeah. I think if you understand, I think that consciousness is really important. Um, and I also think because of our generations, I think it'd be easier for my kids not to get married. But like my my parents and my boyfriend's parents would want that yeah just for like the feeling like it's it's ceremony but i don't know i'm quite torn but i do want a really big ring yeah that's what got me yeah I was like, Diamond. your ring is great and i like that it's gold thank you um so last question what is the best form of self-care oh so many things um i feel like sex is a very good form of self-care whether it's with yourself, mm-hmm. with a partner, with mm-hmm. a consenting adult, or more, I don't mind. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not there, but you can do what you want. Um, and for me, I love reading, and I also love doing creative things which have no performance in them. So whether that's like writing something just for the sake of it and then deleting it or throwing it away, or doing a painting, which is shit, but it's just for you. It's not about, I think we're in a generation of everything has to be a product. Millennials want to package up and make everything like sellable, and it's really problematic. Some things you should just do for the process. Yeah. And it have no end. Yeah. Because when you were little, you just play. There was no, like, you didn't have to turn it into a something. Yeah, it wasn't like I had to hand yeah. in my playtime. <laughs> so I think sometimes just doing things with no destination can be a really positive way of not... Sometimes self... I think sometimes we lack in self-confidence when we try to achieve too much, mm-hmm. and then the end goal is impossible. So just don't set an end goal and just try something and have no pressure and have sex, if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the mouth-off quick-fire questions. 
you survived it. You had some you. great answers there as well. Considering that you didn't know what these were going to be, very well thought out. Thank you. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today. I've had such a great time I getting to know that. you. Would you like to let everyone know where they can find you on social media? Oh yes, you can find me at Anoni, which is my very exciting name. Um, it's just O-E-N-O-N-E. -E. My podcast is just called Adulting and that's linked in my bio of my Insta. So just come to the gram. That's where I hang out. This has been Mouth Off Radio. I am your host, Paige Martin. And only everyone. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.